Um, well, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Drones for Good podcast uh, on this not-so-sunny uh, Thursday morning uh, here when we're recording this morning, but um, this will be released uh, the following Monday. Um, ladies and gents, welcome uh, welcome along, and today we're really excited to move into a really futuristic um, you know, future part of our industry and talking about um, flying you know, the, these uh, different type of aircraft through the air um, and using them for taxis and other bits and pieces. And I'm really pleased uh, that today we can probably get the, the leader of this type of stuff, one of the, one of the thought leaders um, across these types of industry in the world, um, Clem Newton-Brown, OAM. Welcome, Clem. How are you? Hi, Andrew. Yeah, good, good to be here. Hey, Clem, uh, Clem, you're the CEO and founder of Skyport's based here in Australia. That, that's right? That's right. And whereabouts are you based? Uh, so I'm, I'm in Melbourne. And um, look, you know, my, my background is not in uh, drones or, or aviation or air taxis. It's, um, it's in uh, politics primarily. I was Deputy Mayor of Melbourne right. and, and the State Parliament for uh, a, while, a while ago now. Uh, and then in uh, planning and property and law. Um, and uh, so I, I sort of got involved with this through being a consultant after my career in politics. I was a consultant to the helicopter industry with microflight helicopters. And we've been dealing with... Um, Government on their their uh, helipad on the Yarra, and uh, yeah, we, were, right. we found we weren't getting a lot of a lot of uh, back, a lot of f- feedback, and uh, Uber Air rolled into town and roll, and out came the red carpet uh, for them. And so Skyports really grew out of becoming a bit of a Trojan horse to to get a seat at the table, which which worked. So yeah, we we ended up meeting with the Uber execs and offering our our support to what they're planning on doing. And look, ultimately they chose Melbourne and that was all very exciting and uh, it was good to be a part of that. But, but uh, as most of your listeners will know, Uber has now um, got out of the space and they've been subsumed by Joby, which is the one of the front-running air taxis uh, being developed. So um, so that, anyway, that's how I got into it. And look, um, and so my interest is really in the property side of things. Um, so it's it's an interesting space we're in at the moment. And things have moved really fast in the last six months, particularly because... The conversation is now moving not to not, not from um, uh, you know, about uh, are, are we going to see electric air taxis? It's it's mm. well, when are they going to be here and and how's, how are they going to operate? So all the front runners, um, you know, there's probably half a dozen are talking about five years from now, and uh, which sounds like a long time, but if you're talking about trying to create infrastructure for them to use, uh, you know, there's a lot of work to do and, and we're going to need all of that five years. So um, so I sort of see there being a role that, um, for uh, to create new landing sites because if, if you can't land in new spots, all you've got is a, an electric helicopter landing in existing heliports and airports and things. So, um, so the success of the business really depends on, or the success of the industry really depends on these aircraft being smaller, lighter, quieter, and uh, their community accepting that they will be happy to have them land in places that you wouldn't accept a helicopter. So the two things I is, um, well, first of all, advancing the regulations and rules and uh, and zones to enable a, a new land use to occur, and that's so that's something I'm working with all state governments on, and. Um, uh, and then the other thing we're doing is is collecting together the potential sites where uh, where we could set up these skyports uh, once those regulations change. So we've got about four hundred sites around Australia at the moment, and um, uh, and you know most of those will require regulatory changes to be able to be used. Some of them may be suitable for helipads, um, and uh, and yeah, so we're pursuing pursuing helipads for early early stage skyports uh, as an initial phase. 
Wow, that's um, it's certainly an emerging area, and, and I agree with you completely. Five years is is not a particularly long time. I've got a five year old son, and I could swear to you that he was born yesterday. So um, I think five is gonna is gonna roll around fairly quickly. So let's um let's talk about Skyport. So you mentioned you know some of the work you're trying to do and and try, some of the stuff we're, we're trying to make happen. Um, what is Skyports then? Is Skyports kind of the the link in the chain that's going to make all this work, or, or where does Skyports fit into this uh, this ecosystem? Yeah, look, I mean, it's it's at, at the moment we're we're doing a, a seed fundraise, which is is covering we'll, we'll cover our expenses in terms of consultants and uh, and staff and and overheads, but it's, so it's a, you know, a small fundraise to, to do the actual infrastructure work is hundreds of millions of dollars. So, mm-hmm. uh, so what I see where Skyports is sitting is that we're we're putting the pieces on the table and making them and arranging them to make sense such that we'll be in a position where um, when the big money comes in to actually uh, develop Skyports, whether, whether that be in partnership or or, um, uh, or as a tenant of Skyports, uh, yeah, that remains to be seen. But we, we can just see that there's a there's a lot of work that needs to be done. It doesn't cost a lot of money. Um, I mean, if I had hundreds of millions of dollars, I couldn't go any faster. Uh, and what I'm doing is basically, uh, you know, Create, creating the environment where uh, these things can actually be built and creating the partnerships with uh, property uh, owners who want to be part of it. And so what that creates then is I'm hoping in the next couple of years it'll become apparent that in Australia we're actually the best spot in the world to introduce this and and I, I hope that the work that Skyport's done will then uh, lead to aircraft just deciding well you know what australia makes a lot of sense because this work's been done and you know other cities have just been talking about it yeah and um you mentioned your seed funding and and from from my research i did prior to this um and why i'm so thankful for you to come on is because i know you've got about four or five major things going on at the one time um can we talk about that seed funding a little bit now obviously you've got it you've got to fund this but can you tell our listeners you know what what is seed funding what's it all about where's that money kind of going to go Unfortunately, it's going to be too late for them to invest, given that it closes on my screen in seven hours and 46 minutes and seven seconds. Um, but what's that all about? Yeah, look, it's it's a... Um, uh, it's an, a crowdfunding is something which has been... Um, you've been able to do in Australia only for the last few years. It's a very, a very new form of crowdfunding. Normally, with this sort of venture capital-type projects... It's um, it's you know the bigger investors that uh, the sophisticated investors that are able to get a piece of the pie. Uh, with crowdfunding, it it enables small, uh, num- large numbers of people to put in you know, small and large uh, contributions to own shares in 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 private companies. And it's an ASIC regulated product, which um, I, I use an intermediary called Birchall, and it's B I R C H A L. And they'll have you know ten different fundraisers going at any one time, and um, and they're they're all sort of startups with good ideas, with uh, uh, where they're looking for you know people to invest and be part of the part of the journey as they as they grow, um, and uh, so it's a bit of an unusual form of investing. It's certainly um, it's certainly a riskier form of investing than buying BHP shares, but you know if you've got and that, and that's why with retail investors you're actually limited to um, no more than ten thousand dollars can you invest in a crowd fund um, so sophisticated investors can do more but for, for anybody who's uh, retail which means that you've got to be um, 
if you earn less than 250000 a year and you've got less than $2.5 million worth of property, then you can't be a sophisticated investor. So you're limited right. to 10000 And that's what ASIC okay. ASIC does that to protect people from giving their life savings to, you know, a, a business that may not, may not make it. And, and certainly in this space, you know, there'll be winners, big winners, and there'll be big losers. And um, uh, so, you know, there's, there's certainly no... Uh, certainty in, uh, in in aviation, and um, but I suppose you know where I've got confidence in this. Look, I've been working on this for three years, you know, uh, you know, unpaid, as have some consultants who are working with me, and we believe that this is you know this is going to be huge, and this is why we mm. put the effort in. Um, and you know, where where we see the um, the value we're building is is in having the network that so the the big money that's going into the aircraft. And it doesn't matter which aircraft. I mean, there's 300 being developed, and there's half a dozen that have raised over one and a half billion. That's the B, one and a half billion dollars, dollars. Um, each. And so the money is going into these aircraft with no business plan. They've got nowhere to fly them. And so I sort of figure, you know, if I can provide, you know, the place where they can profitably fly, then um, you know that sort of money is going to be coming into infrastructure um, companies that can fast track. Uh, the infrastructure, because I've done the work to uh, to you know, create the regulatory environment and create the property partnerships. So that's that's sort of the the, the, the general plan. So so with crowdfunding, look, we we um, put up uh, a minimum of one hundred and fifty and a maximum of seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars as our target. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're offering shares at seventy five cents each. And um, the um, as of now, I think we're a bit over five hundred thousand dollars. So uh, whether whether we get to seven fifty by tonight, I don't know. Probably not. But um, we've certainly got enough that we can, um, uh, you know, achieve what we want to. Yeah, that's fantastic. And um, you make a really good point. Everyone's so focused on the sexy part. They're, they're focused on these aircraft. You know, they're focused on developing things that fly. Where the hell are we going to land these things is kind of the bigger problem, um, you know, once we actually get them here. Now, only uh, only this week, um, I think this week, just recently, uh, you spoke at the Air Taxi World Congress in London, uh, but I'm assuming you, you were obviously um, doing that virtually. And you talked about um, a pretty exciting uh, announcement aligning with, I think, probably the, the Olympics coming to Brisbane as well, and it's in my hometown here in Brisbane. Um, can, you, can you tell listeners about that? What's, what's going on with, uh, with, the, with this latest announcement? Yeah, sure. Yeah, World Air, Air, Air Taxi Congress last, last night, our time um, was when we announced it. And... Uh, um, Damn COVID! They were actually going to pay for a ticket for me to get there and speak. So uh, you know, it would have been a, a <laughs> great be gig to go and uh, do it live. But, <laughs> but anyway, it's done remotely. Um, and um, uh, yeah, look. So we we made uh, an announcement last night uh, about a, a first partnership that we've got going. With actually, one of our investors, and he's got a, uh, a, a, a manuf- an advanced manufacturing uh, park. Australian Advanced Manufacturing Centre of Excellence, which is in Moreton Bay, and this is going to be yep. this really high-tech manufacturing hub, and uh, and um, you probably know, know more more about it than I do. I think it's a, a suburb. Of Petri, how you pronounce it properly? Uh, Petri, is it? Petri. 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 Okay. So that's the location. So it's a huge site, and the council's got big plans for this being a big, a big, uh, you know, employment hub uh, in you know, tech and manufacturing, etc. So um, anyway, so the, the investor there contacted me and said, "Look, you know, 
he's building this site. He's planning on having a heli helipad at the site anyway. Um, and he was planning an arc on the rooftop of this building that's 140 metres long and probably 50 metres wide. And council had asked him to put the car park underground. So it had already, already been designed with a, a load-bearing concrete, you know, uh, pad on top. So, um, so it's, it, it was made perfect sense that you know, here's a property owner who's keen to get involved, who's an investor, and who's actually building something that means that we we don't actually have to come up with the funds to build it ourselves. So, um, you know, the actual the actual building of the things is not what what you know we're doing at the moment. That that would be something that would come down down the path. So it's it, that's why it's such a great partnership because we can actually you know use that as a test site. We can get all the consultants in and talk with CASA and air services and government and and come up with a with a real live working site that will you know helicopters will use initially. But then um, uh, that will morph into being sideports for electric aviation as well. So we have to consider things such as you know, rapid charging batteries and, and, and those sort of things that uh, you might not put into a, into a heliport. And um, and the other real benefit of this is you know, the, the you know, Queensland is quite forward-thinking government. They have a lot in the um, in the drone space already. Um, and uh, with the Olympics coming up, we see great potential here to. Uh, if we get local support, we have a number of these sky horses that can be able to transport uh, come 2030. And hopefully, we'll afford a uh, uh, bit of that local support as the estimate, uh, which I think will be there'll be a lot of construction going on and getting the city ready for, for the Olympics. And it um, wouldn't be great if uh, you know we, we were able to provide you know, a, a really uh, yeah, advanced form of transport um, during those Olympics. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and I think we, we just lost a little bit of that um, with, I think, some internet issues there, but uh, but we definitely definitely understood what, what you were saying. You know, and I think one of your quotes that we've got here, you know, without a Skyport, uh, without a Skyport's landing site network, these aircraft are not going to be able to realise their full potential. And I think that's, a, that's obviously, you know, the big part of this problem that, that you guys are looking to solve. Yeah, look, totally. Look, it's um, it, I mean, it just seems like a no-brainer to me that uh, you know these these aircraft are, are being developed. There's some very clever people who are developing them, and uh, but they may not be thinking things through from a, um, you know, a practical sense once they've got this aircraft that can fly. You know, it's a, it's a whole. And, and to be fair, I suppose it's a mass. Every part of this ecosystem is huge, and. Um, you know, people have asked me, uh, someone said to me, oh, what, what are you doing with the, with the navigation stuff? And I'm like, well, you know, I haven't even got my head around the, the, the navigation requirements yet. I, I'm looking at, I'm sticking to my, my thing, which is the, finding the property, and I'm sure there will be needs for navigational hardware which uh, can be located on the property, but uh, that's not something which I'm getting my head around at this early stage. I'm really just focusing on, on getting the getting the, the footprints and uh, and getting the regulatory controls. And then, you know, further down the path, we'll be sort of partnering with with people who will be interested in using those sites for doing uh, freight deliveries, doing passenger um, passenger um, services, et cetera. Okay. And you mentioned before, you know, there's there's three or 400 um, partners in this, um, you know, real estate partners or, or property partners. What sort of partners are they? So, what sort what sort of organisations or what sort of facilities are they? Are they shopping centres? Are they schools? Are they universities? You know, where are we thinking that these skyports may be located? What what type of infrastructure? Yeah, um, look, basically, we're we're 
pulling together the, um, the database, and that's probably our only tangible asset, I suppose, is, is that database. So I'm not going to be giving you addresses today, <laughs> other than the one we released uh, last night. Um, um, but um, but look, there's a whole range of um, uh, of, of assets there, and um, what we're looking for though is we don't want residential property. We want people who, who bring up and say, "Look, you, are, you can use my house." Um, yeah, that's that's not really you know, a viable. And what really not residential. Um, so yeah, you mentioned car parks. That's a, that's a good one. Um, uh, industrial land, business parks. Um, this is where you know, you, you're away from residents and uh, and you're not in a built-up area. That's going to be the low-hanging fruit for the early days of this industry. And, look, I've got no doubt when the is proven, you'll find that you'll um, air taxis operating autonomously without pilots and landing you know, in tight locations in, in central city areas. I'm sure that will happen eventually but it won't happen first up. So first up, you're going to have piloted aircraft uh, operating, landing at ground level and operating away from people. And um, and that's going to be the safest option and the, the best way to bring the community along. And so what I see is um, you know, the first tranche being focused on uh, establishing micro airports around um, you know, suburban areas in uh, you know, industrial and manufacturing and, and business, business zoned land. Um, and then over time, uh, you know, I, I think it really has to be the community asking for it rather than being pushed on the community because, you know, if you, if you start to say you want to have a, a skyport on every roundabout, which could make sense, um, you know, the residents will, will make sure it doesn't happen because, you know, politicians are pretty sensitive to being voted out and uh, while they may think it's a good idea, they change their mind if the, if the will's against them. So, you know, the power of the people is huge and... Um, so it is important that the people are brought along, and, and that's and the best thing we can do is actually get um, aircraft in the air flying, just as helicopters fly, so people can compare and say, you know what, that's way quieter than a helicopter, and um, and we actually want people to be saying, well, I don't need to get in here. Why can't I go down down my street and, um, or, or go to a local shopping centre and and pick up one there? Um, and that's that's where I think it will really take off if you can get that community buy-in. So that, that yeah. I suppose, leads me into one craft which um, um, we're partnering with. And you know, the, the importance, you know, part of the role I see that I can play in Australia is to um, make it easy for investors and for aircraft to come to Australia. So, I mean, if you think about it, Australia's a long way away um, and... You know, to actually bring an aircraft here to develop and to develop a business that's maybe all the team live in, you know, Europe or America, uh, it's a pretty big ask. So we actually need to provide something that's, you know, uh, valuable to them. And um, so cr creating that network of sites, I think, and also having a good regulatory environment are the two things which I think will encourage capital to come into Australia. And that's where, you know, state governments, you know, the, the, the moment is now, and the first state government that actually creates these new rules and regulations and zones and publicizes it and welcomes in in the uh, the OEMs into Australia, you know, that's where the capital is going to go. So it's, it's a massive opportunity. And um, so I, I suppose my plan is working to some extent, and I can, uh, by the fact that there's one of the aircraft operators contacted me after listening to a podcast like this and said, look, we, we like 
your vision of you know not being jumping on city around on city rooftops, but going longer distances and, and using you know, uh, you know industrial land rather than uh, central city land. Um, and they have got an aircraft, an aircraft called Electra Aero, which is based in the states, and um, uh, and that's a stall aircraft, which is a, a, a electric short takeoff and landing. So it's sort of like a cross between a helicopter and a plane. It's um, it's got a, a Cessna airframe, but the wing is different, and the wing's got lots of um, it's got about four propellers on each side, I think. And, um, and it's this blind lift technology that um, enables it to basically um, direct the air under the wing and down to the ground to basically lift it up off the ground. So it only needs a short run up of about 30 metres and then it, it lifts up into the air. So the advantage of that is that your power uh, consumption you know, is, is much less than just hovering straight up and down. So, you know, if you think of the, the energy you'd need to lift a car up off the ground and the energy you need to push a car, obviously pushing a car is a whole lot less energy um so here you, you're doing that sort of you know 45 degree angle of, of um not lifting the aircraft straight up you, you you're using a bit of forward momentum and then once it's in the air it's got a, a wing and it flies just like a plane whereas a helicopter has to keep you know churning that blade to keep it in the air um so you find that most of the aircraft w that are designed to go any distances have a wing wing incorporated into their design um so, so the aircraft, so, you know, a short takeoff on land, it's not, uh, there's not any um, that are being developed like this. There's probably a handful. Um, the interesting thing is the guy who is the inventor and the, the, the CEO behind this, uh, Dr. John Langford, he's the granddaddy of, uh, of this industry. He's been designing EV tolls, which is the electric vertical takeoff on landing aircraft, uh, for 20 or 30 years. So... He had a business, he started called the Flight Sciences that was taken over by Boeing and uh, Boeing have got their own eVTOL aircraft. But he's left them and started Electra Aero. Having been in the industry for decades, he's decided that, that the, the Stoll aircraft is going to be the most viable early on um, uh, and be able to take more, more weight, uh, be able to go further. Uh, and it's been designed as a hybrid aircraft as well. So it means that it's got a charging facility on board to charge the batteries mm. and look and so it's got a range of about a thousand kilometers and um and that's going to be really handy initially um i know many people want to would want the pure battery um uh propulsion but the reality is pure battery you've got range limitations you've got safety issues because you know battery runs out and you have and you're not on the ground you're in trouble um and you've got other issues like um uh, ch charging them, you know, sit sitting at wh where is the space to charge these things? If you're in the then earning capacity off the pad. So it's going to be really good and exciting for Australia because it can actually come in here and start operating early uh, and, and profitably um, from the beginning. And uh, John's promised that he'll give the second demonstrator they're building to Australia. So the first one will be built next year. And then in 2023, we're expecting a demonstrator to come out to Australia. And, um, and I think once you've got an aircraft in the air, that's going to be the start of the um, community uh, engagement where, you know, hopefully we get that license from the community to say, well, you know what, that's, that's pretty quiet and uh, it's pretty useful. 
and it's cheap and we can use it for transporting goods or transporting people. We don't need to go into the major airports. We can go from our local local business park uh, uh, across town or, or to a regional city um, and avoid all the uh, the hassles of going through a um, uh, you know your, your typical airport terminal. Yeah, and, and um, one of the questions that, that I think gets thrown around a lot and, and a question that I've certainly got is around the economics of this, you know, particularly from a consumer perspective. So do you have any modelling or do you have any idea around how, how that, that cost is going to be um, for a consumer to use these types of um, these types of aircraft into the future? Is, is there any ideas or any thoughts around that at this point? Oh, look, lots of management consultants have had a, a stab at it, and look, I'm happy if people send me an email. I'll send you a drop. I'll send you a Dropbox of uh, you know all the all the major management consultants who, who've, who've taken a stab at the value of the industry and how how it's going to make money. Look, uh, you know, I, I don't think anybody really knows. Um, but my my view is that the um, uh, um, the in terms of freight, um, I think it makes sense that. Um, if these, if if you can get things, if you can get it, if you can get something from A to B quicker, people will pay a premium. And um, and if you can, uh, if once these aircraft are developed, and um, I can't see why they'd be more expensive to operate than a van. Um, these mm. are you know small electric motors. It's not like a helicopter where you've got you know huge costs in re and maintenance and rebuilding engines every you know every many hours. Um, and so I think the actual vehicle will be less than a helicopter, um, and I think it will be uh, cheap to operate. You're basically just, you know, using electricity to, to, char to charge it up. Um, and then the um, and the thing which I think is going uh, from a perspective is the lack of uh, a driver for, uh, you know, the pilotless autonomous uh, freight and. Um, those things combined, I think, help to you know point to the cost being this kind of cheapest way of getting stuff around, also the fastest way of getting stuff around. I mean, at the moment, Google has been um, running their wing uh, delivery service from Canberra for probably five years, and then from Logan in Brisbane for um, about I don't know two or three two, two years. Maybe. And they just started uh, with the vicinity shopping delivery there. Um, now, what they've got is aircraft that fly autonomously. Um, they're, um, they've got a package on a string that, drop, that drops down on a winch. So you, uh, they have to be a house to plot the, the location. And, um, and then uh, you, know, you order your hot dog and, uh, and it, it gets delivered to you. Um, so that's, you know, they, they've sort of done, a, a, you know, they're breaking the ice. Um, they've come to Australia because, you know, there's a good environment of support here. And that's another reason why I think the air taxis will come here because they come here and they've got half a dozen people to talk to at the, the uh, you know, at CASA who are the people responsible. Whereas, you know, the FAA, you've probably got, you know, a building full of hundreds of people and levels of bureaucracy that, that could slow things down. So, um, so I think with um, Google, you know, I don't think they charge for delivery. And so no, this, is, this is, I suppose, mm. what I trouble I struggle to get my head around is the is the business model for it. And um, if you're ordering, you know, and now we take small items. I'm not sure what the weight weight is, but it's a, you know probably probably a kilo. A couple or less. of kilos. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. A couple of kilos. Is it? Yeah. Um, and yeah. You know, 
if you're doing something, if you're delivering something like a, you know, a sandwich or a hamburger that's $10 delivery. So um, no matter where the cost of that can decide that um, it could be a little different. Look, I suppose, you know, Uber uh, food deliveries happen on bikes and scooters and things, and uh, I don't know what they get charged. They probably probably get 5 or $6 a delivery. I don't know. Uh, but, um, you know, I suppose the argument is it's got to be – if whatever whatever it costs to get somebody to deliver it there by hand on a bike, um, it's got to be cheaper to have no person uh, handling the food other than putting it into a drone and get there quicker um uh, and, and i suppose that's the business model but you know, to be operating at scale that's a sort of aircraft we're flying around so, so that my my view is uh, and look i'm not really in the drone delivery space I, I i'm interested in the in the drone delivery for heavy lifting drones as in a few hundred kilos and that's where i think it's going to be a lot easier to make a viable business case out of it because then you get the business to business uh transport so you might have a car parts um, uh, uh, supplier who's in one side of town who needs to get, uh, you know, 50 kilos of goods across the other side of town and, um, uh, and it means that they can provide same-day service. Um, you know, you've got a mechanic who needs a part and they, okay, it doesn't get delivered by drone to their workshop. It gets delivered to the, uh, to the skyport down the road from them um, and that's where I can see the real value and also for, for consumer goods, you know, if you're... Uh, if you're ordering a book on Amazon, uh, but and you know it's going to be at your local Skyport's warehouse in half an hour, and you drive for ten minutes to get to that Skyport's warehouse, it's still a pretty good service. Um, hmm. And and I think that probably gets around the issue of having thousands of these things buzzing around residential areas, which I think you know may we may struggle to get the community license on. Um, so, um, so yeah, so that's that's the freight side of things. I've taken a long time to answer that question. Um, wind me up if I'm going too long, Andrew. Um, no, that's uh, all right. We might, we may look at winding economics. up actually. Yeah, well, well, just to, to look at the economics of the um, of the passenger side of things. Um, again, nobody really knows. I think what will happen is these mm. aircraft will be um, expensive to be, but they won't be as expensive as helicopters. But they'll be somewhere between a helicopter and a taxi. Um, and I think the early use cases will be similar to helicopter tourism uses, going out to a winery for the day and it's costing a few hundred dollars a person and, um, and then you know, the cost will come down as, as it scales up. Uh, but ultimately what everybody's working towards is that it's been quite cheap and as cheap as a, as a taxi uh, eventually because these aircraft, uh, as I said before, they're, they're not, um, they're not going to have the same operating or purchase costs as a helicopter. Um, mm. And then you're going to have a, a ride-sharing model which will bring the cost down. And then the, the, the other thing that really brings the cost down is once the pilot comes out of the equation. Um, so you're, uh, you're creating another seat and, uh, and hopefully uh, making the aircraft safer because you're taking away the pilot error. Um, as I understand it, most helicopter crashes happen due to pilot error. But it, you know, it's a pretty big ask to get into a autonomous car, let alone an autonomous flying aircraft. So I think I, I remember I got into a, an autonomous train in London probably 20 years ago and um, felt quite nervous. We were on a track and there was only there was only uh, one point of fail. It was uh, not stopping, I suppose, it was the only point of fail. But uh, uh, 
within an aircraft, there's a whole whole lot of things that could go wrong. So, um, uh, but look, you know, technology is, you know, it's amazing the advances that have been made. And as you'd know, in the drone space, you know, how quickly things develop and um, mm. in the automotive space well. And, uh, and look, I'm sure that there's much cleverer people than me working this out. And, um, uh, you know, my role is the, uh, is, you know, really the, the, you know, the infrastructure side of things for them to operate from. Yeah, fantastic. And um, look, Clem, we, we might look at, at wrapping that up there. Unfortunately, there's a little bit of a delay during this um, this this podcast today, which is probably from my end. Brisbane's had that much rain today that um, I think all of our NBN lines are um, are probably soaked and covered and flooded. But um, Clem, thanks so much for uh, for all the work you're doing in this space. You know, someone needs to be the driver behind this, and um, and it's fantastic that, it, that it's you, given your background, given your passion, and given your your understanding of the problem. Where can people get more information, though? Where can they go to either connect with you or, or connect with Skyports and, and get more info? Yeah, look, just just if you just Google Skyports um, with a Z, um, there's plenty of stuff out there. Uh, if you're interested, I'm sorry if you if you've been uh, intrigued and, and think that you might want to put a few dollars into investing in it because it's too late now, but. Um, but if you are interested, what I'd suggest is you go onto the, onto the virtual website and find the fundraise, which will be closed by now when you're listening to this. And you can you can register as a follower, though. And and for the followers, that that will be when when we're next doing another raise, which you know, could could happen in a, in a year or two. Or we can, uh, if you're a follower, we've got your email, and we we can um, make sure that you're kept in the loop. Fantastic. Clem, thanks so much again for your time um, and thanks for what you do in this space. Um, we've, we've come across each other a number of times at AAUS conferences and other things and you, you speak at everything that, that's coming up. Um, so we, we really appreciate you know, the time and effort you're putting in. So, so thanks so much, mate, and, uh, and we'll talk soon. No, thank you. And you, you're doing a great job with disseminating the information too. So uh, well done on the podcast. Thanks for that. Appreciate it.